And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Kantz. Uh Without Mike Miller tonight, he's away for uh, the holiday. And so uh, it's me flying solo, but not solo because I have Chris Jones with me. And he's going to be talking to us today about his new album, Note to Self. Uh, Chris has been on the program before, but for those who may be uh, new to, to Chris, uh, we want to give you the opportunity, brother, to um, share how you came to know the Lord and how you got into music. Yeah, so uh, back around 2006, um, I had kind of grown up in the church, but around 2006, the Lord really took hold of my heart. Um, it was It's crazy because it was actually through a Lecrae album. So I was I was a senior in high school and I was at a, a new school. Our two schools in the county had merged together. And the kid said to me, if you're a Christian, why don't you rap about Christ? And I, I said, Christian rap's whack. I've tried that. I'm not really into it. And he gave me Lecrae after the music stops. And he also gave me Triple E if they only knew and a Tadashi album. I think Kingdom Come. I put in Lecrae. I hear Jesus music. And I'm listening to Triple E, I'm listening to Tadashi, and I'm hearing these guys. And I finally had some guys that looked like me, made music like that I liked, that sounded great. And they were all about Jesus, all about the scripture. So at that point, I opened up my Bible and just started reading. I, I knew that Jesus spoke in Matthew. That was the only thing I really knew about the Bible. So I read through Matthew, and then I read through Revelation. And sometime in there, I got saved. Um, but as far as how did I get into Christian rap is, um, I was probably, I started rapping 2001 Fruity Loops volume three, um, just making beats, spitting some middle school rhymes and have always been making beats since then. But once I got saved, I knew this is what I got to give my life to. I got to give my music to the Lord. I put up my old secular CDs, all that stuff, and, uh, just started rapping, rapping for Christ. And so it's been about 15 years now that. I've been just kind of doing it and it's kind of grown over time. I've gotten better. I've kind of grown an audience and got signed to Christ centric a few years back. And so it's really kind of taken off in the past four or five years. But um, music's been something I've done as a stress relief, as a hobby, and then turned it over to the Lord. Yeah. It's very interesting when people say about um, Christian rap music being, you know, corny or, or it's just, it's, it's, it's not good. Right. Um, when I was growing up, I, I listened to rap music. I liked uh, Tupac and Big and and a, and a lot of the, the secular artists <clears throat> that were out and popular at the time growing up. And I remember the only thing I knew about Christian rap was DC Talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I never really could, like, I, I heard a song and I'm like, man, that's just really bad, you know. But um, <clears throat> but I think it wasn't until maybe Cross Movement and then, as you mentioned, Lecrae and these guys where I started to hear that the, the music that was was good. There was a good uh, message behind what was being, you know, said in their in their music. Also with good production, good beats, it wasn't just this corny kind of, Christian rap music. And um, I think that did transform a lot, uh, you know, and then you started to see a lot more guys come out, talent and whatnot. Um, but I do yeah. want to kind of talk a little bit, not not about those guys specifically, but where you see Christian rap today, um, you know, as opposed to maybe back in that time frame as well. Because um, you talk about it on one of your songs, we can actually even just go there. Uh, the Don't Fear, you talk about how rappers and pastors falling away. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's this, this fear. Sometimes I, I think overall with your album, as I listen to it, I know that you have, uh, that the title of it is note to self. And so you're speaking to yourself or about things that you've wrote down. I, I as I'm listening to the rate, the, the, the record, the album is things you wrote down that you're speaking to yourself. But it also, for me, as I'm listening to it, there was a lot that I was just being convicted myself of, of areas. And, and here this fear of, I don't necessarily fear like I'm not a Christian, but there is those fears when you start seeing all these other people that you looked at. I know growing up, I was a false convert, but I look back at all the people that, <clears throat> excuse me, that were teaching me. Uh, there was the, the youth pastor and then other people that was involved with youth. And I look at them today, they're not even walking with the Lord, you know? And so you're seeing these progressions of people constantly either de deconstructing their faith, which is a popular thing today, or just falling away from the faith altogether and some well-known people. And it's, it's a scary thing to see. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it, it's kind of crazy. Um, one of the, you know, obviously, if you're into Christian hip hop, you know, there was a shift where some certain artists were going more mainstream or more secular sounding or even kind of talking less about Jesus. And there was like a big shift for those guys to follow. So when I came into CHH 06, it was R Swift, Flame, Lecrae, all these guys putting out just straight gospel centered stuff. And, but there was always this beef of like, there's some artists out there who are not talking about Jesus enough. These guys are. So I remember being in the Reach Records chat and we'd be arguing like, this artist didn't talk about Jesus enough. This artist didn't say Jesus enough. And you fast forward to now and most of Christian rap is, and, and I say, I don't even want to say most, a lot of popular Christian rap, you don't really hear about Jesus. And in fact, I've submitted music to kind of be reviewed on Rapzilla Live and stuff like that. And people will say that sounds like old Christian rap and because of the content, they'll say, you know, that's the scripturally, that's doctrine or, you know, doctrinally uh, sounded music. And it didn't used to be that way. And a lot of a lot of people in my circles, we, we were referred to it as the golden age uh, when cross movement you had you had cross movement lamp mode. And I even think back to when Collision Records was putting out a ton of stuff. You, you had all these artists really going hard for Christ. And now even some of the artists that I was listening to back then, you play their new stuff and they're not talking about Christ. They're not rapping the same stuff. They're dropping cuss words in. And, and then you get into the apostasy. Uh, you, you've got artists going over to black Hebrew Israelism. Mm -hmm. You got artists so woke that they're writing off evangelical doctrine. And I, I just heard, I think it was an ambassador sermon. He said a Christian rapper that we're all going to be shocked by has left the faith has turned from Christ to the, to the teaching of men. And when it comes out, I, I know who it is, but when it comes out, it's going to be, again, just one of those things that I talk about on the album is 20 years ago, this artist did not expect, I don't think he envisioned himself turning from the faith, mm -hmm. but now here he is 2021 walking away from the Lord. And when I talk about don't fear it, it's that, it's that idea that, like you said, I'm not afraid that I'm not saved. Although there are times if you listen to the song Liar, where Satan will kind of feed that lie to me, I right. can squash that quick. But the what if you're Robbie? What if you're so-and-so? Yeah. What if you're Joshua Harris? That's the kind of stuff that pops in my head. And Joshua Harris or Robbie, 
may not have envisioned 20 years before they fell that they were going to fall or even five years before. And I'm seeing it locally. I'm seeing it in Christian hip hop, you know, so that's where that, that idea comes from or that, that thought that I wrote about on that song. Yeah. And, and I think it is a, a legitimate fear. I mean, the, the Bible tells us that we should examine ourselves to see that we're in the faith. And I don't think that's a, a wrong thing to do on a, a, a regular basis. I'm not saying again, out of fear, like we're just consistently thinking we lost our salvation because we know yeah. that he who began a good work will complete it. Right. Mm -hmm. But this reality that we see some of these people fall and other things that you speak about on the, on the uh, album, you know, like dealing with social media and, and then having certain platforms. And I think about it here with G220, we're a small radio program. We don't have a huge platform. You know what I mean? We're, we're just small. We, when I started doing G220, it was all about, I love to talk about the things of the Lord and we're very evangelistic. We like to go out and preach on the streets and share the gospel. And so it's all about trying to get people together to come and let's do some outreach. Um, and then we started the program, but I've also seen friends of mine who started up radio programs and I can see, and even regarding my own heart, how you can get so wrapped up into it where it becomes about the popularity or about the, um, well, we, we really want to reach more people for Christ, but ultimately it's, I really want the fame for myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I've, and I've seen some of those things. And so you're, you're always constantly wanting to guard your own heart to make sure that, I don't get myself into a situation where I become so popular, so big, then like a Ravi or these Joshua Harris or these people, they get wrapped up in some kind of scandal or walk away completely from the faith. And we also always have to be um, real in knowing that we're, we're, we're no, we're no different. We could fall just like these guys fell. That's why we have to constantly guard ourselves from that. Um, but yeah, it can be a scary thing, man. Yeah. And, and even in the scriptures, seeing a guy like David fall or seeing a guy like Solomon or seeing Peter get rebuked by Paul, it's such a subtle, such a thin line between, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they fell away from the faith, but just fell into grievous sin even. And there's such a thin line. And I'm always, you know, just wanting to, like you said, stay watchful, stay examining myself. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, take heed lest you fall. And a lot of these examples remind me you can fall and you can be solid. You can wrap the dopest doctrine and spit to the, the hottest beats. And then 20 years later, denounce everything you said and turn mm -hmm. from it all. And that's that's scary, man. Yeah. And I do think that what you see with your um, from your albums, from album to album is you should always see growth. Right. And you see mm -hmm. how you're, you're as you mature more in the faith you mature more in your uh, style and how you come across and how you put the beats together. All that stuff is, is a maturing process and a growth process. You should always see someone growing, but like you said, not growing to the point where after 20 years, you've, you should be mature more in the faith, not walking away from the faith. And yeah. so, yeah, that's definitely a scary, uh, scary thing. How, how do you come about going into, um, putting these, these albums together. I, I know from, from just listening to the album uh, in the beginning, you're saying that this is some, some thoughts, you know, a notepad you have uh, where you're writing things down from 2020, um, which was just a crazy, crazy year all around. Right. <laughs> but um, so you're writing things down. Is that, is that how you normally go about making music? Is it just, you, you scratch these ideas down or thoughts to yourself and then you put it to paper. 
or put it to to music? It, it's it really depends. So I'm a very sentimental stream of consciousness guy. If you go back and listen to actually my one of my favorite albums that a lot of people don't know about is called The Sentiment. And it's very much like Note to Self. In fact, I would consider Note to Self um, either The Sentiment Volume 2 or Mano Volume 2. So I, I do a lot of experiential hip hop because I study doctrine uh, right next to me is my books. I've got a lot of systematics and, and all of that. But what I want to convey in my music is who I am and the, the doctrine on the street level. Uh, but at the same time, um, like Trinity was was specifically theological, but I also intended it to be practical. Uh, I'm currently working on an album called God is or it's going to be some sort of type of attributes of God type project, but it's going to have that experiential theology to it because I read a lot of the Puritans. So so as far as the process, it really depends on where I'm at musically. So for Trinity, I sat down with this idea of I want to write two songs about the father, two songs about the son, two about the spirit and then a few about the whole Trinity. Uh, but for note to self, man, it it was literally we're on lockdown. I got more time to make beats. I got more time to rap. And what I did was just, man, I was just making beats. I probably have 60 COVID beats. And mm. if I if I like the beat as I'm making it, I would just sit down and start recording. And so each of those songs re reflects me making a beat, sitting down, recording what was coming to, to my mind and to my heart in that moment. And then kind of making it a cohesive project, which is why I ended up titling it Note to Self, because it was a bunch of different songs about stuff going on in the past two years or so. And I played it for Jose Zeta Blacksmith. And he said, it's a good album, but we got to find a way to make it cohesive. And the reason I titled it Note to Self is I wanted it to read and feel like a journal. So that's when I put those interludes in and kind of really meshed mm -hmm. it together. But it's it's just like I would have journaled, you know, from yeah. beginning of COVID to now, just all the stuff that kind of went down. Yeah, and and it really was a very crazy uh, time frame. We're still in this crazy time yeah. frame right now, and um, and so yeah, it's 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 definitely giving you a lot of time to probably put some put some thoughts to paper because uh, I mean there was so many things going on, um, so many things. I mean you have. COVID that hits us. You've got an election that's going on at the time frame, and 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 then you've got Christians going at it over who you're going to vote for, who you're not going to vote for. How do you deal with the COVID situation? You know, masks, no masks. Now it's vaccine, no vaccine. So there's 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 a lot of stuff that yeah. can can um, can come from from that. You know, just the thoughts that we have. Um, in in and of ourselves of, of how we're trying to think through these things. And mm. um, so one of the things uh, I think my favorite song on the album right now is uh, we rise. I, I love that song. Uh, I just think it's, it's a, it's a, a very, it's, it's a great song. And I was listening to another guy who did a uh, review of your album and he talked about you singing on this. You know, because you're you're kind of starting to sing on on the on the we rise there in the second verse, um, <clears throat> but I really I really enjoyed that song. What what are some of the? Do you have any favorites off the album yourself? That that one's probably probably my favorite as well. The reason is 
production wise, that was probably the biggest uh, creative leap I took on the project. I'm a huge fan of Odyssey and uh, he's a secular rapper. But what I like about him is, is his music is very percussion centered and mm -hmm. just feels like a, like you're listening to live music. And it's something I've not played with a lot because it's a it's not a sound I'm great at. But I felt like on We Rise, I was able to find the right samples, the right drums, the right kind of feel. And it, it turned out right. Uh, another probably another one of my favorites, and this is going to sound just absolutely weird, but is Liar because. Mm -hmm. I'm a Southern guy, so I grew up listening to Lil Jon and Eastside Boys and Dipset and Kanye and Common. And with being on Christcentric from for a lot of the years, I felt like I really need to fit this Christcentric mode. But Will has always told me, hey, do what you do. Be who you are. Same with Jose and the and the guys at the label. So with Liar, I was I made the beat. I, I was I've been listening to a lot more trap style music over the summer. It's like, let me just mess with this. And it came out in a way that I thought pulled off the trap sound without me being a mumble rapper, without, uh, I guess, copying somebody. And I felt like it just was, it was just a good fit for me. So those two are probably my favorite. And then still Mano from a production standpoint, that's my favorite, um, probably my, my favorite overall track because the production is, is something I really love. But then the fact that I can pull from the original Mano album mm. and give you, so you could play those two songs back to back and really see where I've been over the past several years and uh, being able to express some just real struggles for, with, from ministry struggles to pride issues to all that. Um, so I think if I had to, so I would say we rise is my favorite, like, I guess the, is the track that I feel the best about, Still may know is my favorite, and then Liars just like that trap joint that I like. So those would be my top three. Yeah. And maybe for our audience who's not familiar, I know, um, how would you explain what trap music is to, you know, someone who's maybe tuning in that's like, I'm not familiar with that? Because it seems like it's it's become very popular over the last few years. But um, maybe you can explain what, what you mean when you say trap music. Yeah, so trap is more uh, boomy 808 bass. Um ticking hi-hats really fast, claps and, and uh, really poppy, uh, small, small hitting snares. And, or, I mean, I guess they could be big too, but it's if you turned on a rap radio station, it's what you're going to hear, that little all the time uh, versus boom bap or, um, yeah, I guess it would be called boom bap, but where the drums are kind of gritty, raw drums usually sampled from a record or a fresh drum loop with samples in the background. And so I tried to kind of uh, combine those two styles in a lot of ways on the album to give you some variety because people are always asking me to make trap stuff. So yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Now on still Mano, you, you talk about writing an article for Piper when you was 19. I didn't know that. That's pretty. So, uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a little, so it might be confusing. So in 2019, I wrote oh, okay. an article for okay. Desiring I was God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I thought you said 19, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, 2019. So in 2019, if you look on Desiring God, I had an article published uh, through them. It was one of those on a whim. I just submitted something. They liked it. They ran with it. And I had been a fan of Piper since I was 19. 19 years old, I read uh, Don't Waste Your Life. Mm -hmm. And so that was, a, that was a huge honor, huge privilege for me. 
And then I thought, you know what, if I if I've written for Desiring God once, I should be able to just submit article after article, get published. I should be able to submit to TGC, all these different places. And it turns out that's not really what happened. It was kind of a one one off thing. And for a couple of years after that, I didn't even get accepted for anything. And so what mm -hmm. I'm expressing there is like a little bit of pride, like, hey, they liked it. So now that that's my open door to start pushing all my stuff. And then it turned out to not be what I thought. And so I, in that song, I'm just sharing the struggle of like, man, that hit me hard. Uh, yeah. And it's just one of those things. It, it went well that one time, but that doesn't make you a great writer. That just means you wrote one great article and you just got to keep pushing. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I really do appreciate about your, your album here is Again, you, you, you're dealing with a lot of things that you're struggling with or, or just being transparent with, you know, the listeners of what you're going through in this, you know, pandemic time frame and the thoughts that you're dealing with. Um, and that's why I think, like for me, um, I can kind of, I can hear these, the, the things that you're saying. And then there are times where I've been convicted listening to so, like some of these songs because I'm like, yeah, I could be doing better in that area myself. And and we'll get to one here in a minute, but I also wanted to to ask about the Steel Mano when you talk about um being rejected for pastoring because of Calvinism. Now you're in Kentucky and I know that like the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is there and it's very very much reformed. Um you know, I'm sure there are people there that are not, but I mean it's very much reformed. You would think that in that area that would be a dominant kind of theological um, position or is that not yeah. the case? It, it's not. And maybe so, so Louisville is about an hour and a half from, from where I live. And it, the, the situation with Southern is very interesting. Um, so, so a lot of people have a negative perspective on Southern because a lot of guys go in, they get their MDiv, they find a small church to pastor they get their PhD, then they go somewhere bigger. And sometimes these small towns like I live in are passed through for guys who I don't think they're malicious. I just think you pastor in a small town. If you're not committed to the area, it's just going to be hard to stay. Uh, but what happened is there was a church. I went and just did pulpit supply. Uh, I preach at a lot of churches in the community and they really liked the sermon and they had a meal after the service. I sat down with several people from the committee they were just like, hey, we love your preaching. We love the fact that you're young. You're on fire for the Lord. You preach the gospel. And it was such a good conversation. They said, you know, if we could vote today, we you'd be our pastor. So I'm thinking like, all right, this is it. Like I'm, I've been praying for this. This is my desires to pastor. So I submit my resume the next day. I mean, I get it prepped and ready that night, submit it the next day. A few weeks go by and I don't hear anything. No callback no email, nothing that they didn't even act like they received it. So I reached out to one of the guys from the committee and he said, basically, we didn't call you back because we heard Calvinism in your sermons. Now, the reality for me is I don't use any Calvinism buzzwords in my sermons or on social media for that matter, uh, because in this area, Calvinism is not is a, is a dirty word and anybody who suspects it is going to call it out and they may not even know what it is. So I've had people say, you don't believe in evangelism. You believe people are robots. 
all these different things. So I try to avoid the buzzwords and just preach the text. So what hurt me was I never got to sit down and say, here's what I believe and here's why. And I know I can almost promise you they didn't hear Calvinism in my sermons. They might have heard me talk about regeneration. They may have heard me talk about God gives us a new heart, which is all biblical language. Mm-hmm. But what I'm afraid of is that there were some rumors going around town because I was at a church where, yes, we're reformed. Yes, we use predestined. We preach through Ephesians. You know, they preach through Romans and I didn't get a fair shot at it. So it really it really hurt because that was that was something that I thought the Lord had opened the door. I prayed about it. It was just really exciting. But in hindsight, I look back and I almost I'm just relieved that I didn't because that would have put me pastoring as a new pastor in a country church during COVID. And that would have probably eaten me alive. And I know God sustains his ministers, but that was a tough season without being a pastor. I can't imagine Mm. how hard it would have been full-time pastor during that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, we do believe in the sovereignty of God and his providence and how he's going to lead or move you to where he would want you to be. Um, I know I have a friend who uh, is down there in the Kentucky area, and he was pastoring a church as a reformed guy, um, as a Calvinist, um, and it was not a reformed church. And he was telling me about the struggles he was having just from that, like, because you don't want to kind of go into a church and just make all these automatic changes like, Oh, you're not reformed here. We're going to make everything reformed, you know, or yeah. we're, we like how a certain thing it sh- or a certain way it should go. We're going to change everything. You know, pastors, they need to over time, they're learning and they're growing and they want to move the congregation slowly to the truth uh, yeah. or the direction they want to go and not just come in automatically and make those changes. And then on top of that, being a young guy, being, you know, getting in, wanting to, to get into the pastorate, um, like you said, having COVID and that just come in, in the pandemic. And that's some of the things you talk about, even on the, on the album there with don't fear again, you bring it, you know, talk about uh, COVID and politics and um, the election. And with COVID, I think in the beginning, a lot of churches, like just nobody knew what it was. So you're mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. We've never had, um, no, I mean, we've never really had a pandemic to the degree that we've seen in history here in, in, in our country. And so people didn't know what to do with that. And so like one of the things I know we've said on the show, and Mike is in the chat room, he did comment. um, But one of the things that he said on the show, or we talked about on the show was you got to be willing to give grace to these pastors, wherever they are in the congregations that they're in making those decisions for what they feel is best for their congregation. We don't know what their congregation is dealing with. Let's not try to judge this congregation because we think they should be doing it like this one or that one and whatnot. And so that I, it was, a, I think it's a very difficult time for a lot of people in ministry mm-hmm. of trying, because you want to do the right things. You want to take care of your people. You want to lead them and shepherd them. Um, but I mean, I think that was just a very difficult time overall. Yeah, for sure. And it, it was hard here too, because you had COVID, you had race stuff, you had, Trump stuff, you know, and again, being a black dude in rural Kentucky during all that pastoring a predominantly or all white church besides me and my kids, that would have been tough. And again, God is sovereign and he had me where he wanted me. But again, I'm thankful that that door was closed and there's other doors opening. Yeah. 
Now, in in your song, Lady, this this one really hits me because, um, <laughs> you know, like my wife would love for me to put this down a lot more than than I, I do. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of spending a lot of time that really, if you think about it, is wasted time when I could be spending more time with my wife. And so that song really hit me. You know, cause like my wife and kids, like my daughter wants to play sometimes and I'm working on something. I'm like, just, just a little bit, just play for a little bit longer. I'm, let me finish this. And then that trying to finish it is not like a quick five minutes. It's mm-hmm. longer, you know? And so that one really hit me. Yeah, that, that one. And it's funny because that's one of the oldest songs on trend or on that album note to self, because the original version, it actually says, I can't believe that it's been six years and you're loving me every day because I had written it years ago mm-hmm. and never finished it because it was just, it's just one of those songs, man. Like it, it cuts too deep. And mm-hmm. finally I was like, you know what? I want to finish the song and I want to add a second verse about my other ladies. So my wife and my daughters, cause I got four little girls and that was the hardest song to make because I know my wife, she hears me rap every song. I actually rap in this room our bedrooms next to it. So she hears it and I'm like, man, I bet she thinks I'm an idiot because this is real life and I'm rapping about it, but mm-hmm. she actually likes it. And it's one of the songs that resonated with most people, especially the husbands, because it's a struggle that we all face in a technical, or I won't say all, it's a struggle that many of us face because we're in a digital world mm-hmm. and it's so easy to get caught up in Facebook. Oh, it's just, it'll just be five minutes. And that turns into 30 or like you said, I'm working on a sermon or I'm working on beats or I'm recording for my album. It'd only be, I just got to get this verse done, but that turns into an hour because I'm mixing, I'm mastering. And I just wanted to convey that and share that not only with, with you all, but I wanted to share that with my wife that, Hey, I noticed this. You, she's never complained about it. Uh, Obviously my kids have asked, you know, daddy, when you going to put your phone up, daddy, why are you working at Saturday? But They've never complained, but I still know it's there. And that's why I made the song is to remind myself, take care of your ladies and hopefully encourage some other guys to do the same. Yeah. And I think when when we think about social media, because obviously we're using social media here, we do it for the radio program to get out there and reach people and to share the good news of Christ with them. But I think even all the good things that come from social media that we can use it for, there's also that side of it that takes away from the personal aspect of mm-hmm. life, you know? Um, and now it's, it's instead of picking up the phone and calling a brother that you're disagreeing with, it's like, you know, let me go at him here online, you know, back and yeah. forth or putting it down and going and, and enjoying life and seeing, seeing life, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, and just to be transparent, like there's, there's many times where we've gone out to evangelize, and my phone does not come out of my pocket unless I'm taking a picture of something to share to and try to encourage someone. But it, it's, and I can go for two, three, four hours, however long we're out there evangelized without pulling in my phone and trying to get on social media. Yeah. Then I'm in a home and I'm sitting with my family. And then it's like, there's a temptation. And let me just click on Facebook real quick or Twitter or whatnot. And, yeah. and so while there's good things that can be a benefit from social media, there also is those things that it kind of pulls us, I think, from the personal aspect of the life that's going on around us. Yeah. And I, I think for me, and I'm sure you probably resonate with this, 
the person I'm supposed to be, besides God, the people I'm supposed to be giving the most of my time and energy and attention to are the ones that get the leftovers after I've worked all day and played on my phone. And then, you know, you get 10 or 15 minutes before bed or you get 20 minutes of me groggy and tired. And it's like, why am I giving them the leftovers? Mm. And one of the questions I ask myself all the time, and it's it's one of those I, I need to keep asking is, is this more important than my wife? And sometimes I'll even like my phone will be ringing. And I'm like, is that person more important than my four daughters? Not today. And it's not to say that I never answer the phone, mm-hmm. but it's to say today, this call is not more important. Unless you call me twice in a row to let me know that it's an emergency, I'm going to catch you later this week on the way to work when I'm out for a walk. But like they need this time. And even I'm glad this this conversation is after bedtime because that means I don't have to spend an hour or so away from my kids. Yeah. Um, because as they get older, they're going to remember daddy was too busy for me. My wife's going to remember 15 years into our marriage. He spent the first half of our marriage making beats and mixing and mastering all the time. And I don't want that to be my legacy. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. Well, that that's very, it's very um, convicting, you know, to think about those things because obviously we, we want to, you know, we want to honor the Lord with all that we've, we do and that all that he's given to us mm-hmm. and our family is a, a wonderful gift that God has given. Yeah. And so to be able to prioritize those things uh, and to make the best use of your time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't always work because things come up and, and things happen in life and you don't maybe necessarily mean to, mm-hmm. but the next thing you know, an hour, two hours has gone by and you're like, man, where does the time go? Especially yeah. as I'm getting older, I'm 45 now. And I just feel like time is going so fast. It's just flying by. And so you, you definitely want to, to cherish it. And I know my wife who listens to the program, she's going to want to hold me accountable as we're talking about these things to the, on the show here tonight. And it's a good thing, you know, um, yeah. to be held accountable for that. So, yeah. And I think it's important, man, just even, even if it's, an app. I have an app on my phone that ticks me off because it'll tell me you you missed your phone challenge today of you know x amount of hours or minutes or whatever, and I need that because that that lets me know, hey, you're, you're creeping up to the old amount of time you used to spend on your phone, and you need to kind of regroup. And something I'll do. I don't know if you've ever paid attention, but if you're if you ever pay attention to my social media, I'll disappear for a month, mm-hmm. where I'm just like I'll take the I'll block the websites on my phone, take the apps off to where I only use it when I'm in front of a computer because sometimes I just need a month off to remind myself I don't need this stuff. It's not to say it's not important, but I literally don't need Facebook. If I'm not promoting an album right now or supporting one of my brothers or whatever, I can take a month off. Nobody's going to miss me that much on social media. And some, and I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. That's just one of the ways that I kind of check myself a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that with with social media, we have to guard ourselves from pride as well, because we believe that we're more important than we actually are. Uh, You know, if you do pull back, it's like most people aren't as close to you as you may think. You can have thousands of friends, but only know like five or ten of them, you know, five to ten of them, like really know them. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that can be a, a, a definitely a challenge and something that we should all keep in mind. And and uh, and try to be better about how we spend our time, you know, 
Um, cause yeah. I feel the same, I, I, another guy who used to be on the program before that, you know, as well, he was on when we had you on before, um, we've had this conversation many times and I've told him, I'm like, man, I, my wife would be so much happier if I was just off social media altogether, but then mm-hmm. I use it as this platform to kind of put the pro- program out there to encourage people to come out when we're doing an evangelistic outreach. But again, I think there's other ways that you can go about promoting those things for me personally, that wouldn't have to cause or have me spend so much time on, on the platforms, you know? Yeah. And I think to each his own, you know, I'm not anti-social media. I'm on it. Mm -hmm. I use it. It's just trying to find that balance. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, taking time off when I need to and putting in work when I need to, is just kind of that balance. Yeah. And balance is key. So let's talk about balance because I want to go into this next topic here. Um, you mentioned it already a little bit. It's on your album and a couple different songs where we do you, you do bring up the whole social justice, the wokeism. And one one of the areas that I I feel like because I'm not for CRT, I'm not for uh, some of the social justice gospel aspects of things that are out there. But one of the things that that I've seen and and this is my personal overview of what I've seen over the last year and a half or two years. People talk past each other rather than trying to be balanced and say, hey, let me try to understand this person and what they're saying. And let me not try to lump everybody in this side or that side, but let me try to just be balanced and and try to come alongside my brothers and sisters. And even if we disagree, it's okay to disagree, but let's not put somebody outside of the faith for this. Um, I, I really think that the whole COVID, the election, uh, a lot of the things that are going on, social, the Black Lives Matter movements that were, um, we, we were seeing lots of these um, marches, protests, and whatnot go on um, over the last couple of years. And I think what it has done was, it, it, for me, what I'm seeing is exposing a lot of issues within the church. Yeah. And how we respond and deal to things rather than trying to be balanced and come alongside a brother or sister and try to say, hey, I may not agree with you. Let's try to look at the scriptures and see how you're coming to these views, but then also not neglecting how somebody feels because while experience doesn't always dictate truth, we all still have experiences. So let me try to come alongside and weep with a brother or rejoice with a brother when they're rejoicing or weeping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and what's interesting about this topic, it, and you may not have picked up on it, but you will if you go back and listen now. Um, there were several songs actually addressing my heart with regard to what you were saying before Whose Lives Matter and Still Christ Centric. Um, so, for mm-hmm. example, um, Tempted. My mm-hmm. verse on Tempted is not about pornography. It's not about adultery. It's, it's about being tempted to run my mouth on social media about. And for me, it was going off on the anti-woke crowd uh, because I think there was a season where I was so like, I'm, I'm not on the woke side. I'm not a CRT guy, but I was so angry that everything was being labeled CRT that I would jump in everybody's comments. And, you know, and then you've got the, the reflections or, you know, the song about looking in the mirror and that was talking to me about my opinions on COVID and, and the the race stuff. So Mm -hmm. long before you get to wokeness, I'm already dealing with that on those songs because I, I was on a I was on a podcast I think sometime early this year, but you know just talking about the the I was talking about balance 
but it took me a long time to realize that um, balance means that the people in the middle have to be humble. You know, because I was being prideful towards the anti-woke crowd. I was being prideful towards the woke crowd. I was putting myself as if I was the standard. And if you don't agree with me on either side, then you're messed up. And what the Lord showed me was like, you're just, you're as arrogant as they are. You just aren't taking a side, which doesn't mean you're right either. Mm -hmm. um, and so it took me a long time to really, and it's, I'm still learning, but it took me a long time to really um, strike the balance with the CRT, the social justice stuff, and even the COVID stuff. So yeah. that's been, it's been a challenge, man. Yeah. And I think one of the things we have to do again in trying to be balanced is one, we, we always want to have the scripture as our final authority, right? Yeah. Because we're, we're seeking to honor the Lord, but we also have to be willing to have the conversations and we can't just jump on whoever our favorite guy is, yeah. you know, who's leading this charge or that charge and say, well, I'm rocking with this guy or I'm rocking with this one. And then yeah. not, not really, you know, I think then be, people become blinded to any kind of conversation. As soon as somebody says, well, yeah, I agree. Black lives matter. Yeah. Then you're automatically lumped into the movement, you know, which is anti Christ. It's, it goes against everything Christ, but it doesn't mean that the saying that if somebody says, yeah, I do believe black lives matter, that they're necessarily affirming everything that the movement was standing for. So, mm -hmm. I, and, and that's one of the things that I was seeing, I was seeing, sermon after sermon. I mean, we, we was in a church at the time where, I mean, it was sermon after sermon. It was just kind of political sermons. And I'm like, yeah. can we just hear Christ preached today? <laughs> you know, like, um, but that just seemed to dominate and you were either on one side or the other. And I, I really do believe we got to be balanced. Um, and as you said, it's, it's one of those things we're still trying to work through those things. Um, yeah. and, but we really have to be willing to have the conversations with one another and not talk past one another. Yeah. And, and that's why I took, so I spent a lot of time early jumping all in the comments, but then I decided, let me write a couple of blog posts. So I got a couple of blog posts I wrote, but then I've got some songs, these songs that I wanted to be able to express a nuanced position on all of these things. So that's why on a uh, whose lives matters, I do say black lives matter and it's true. And I'm going to say that, but black lives haven't seemed to matter since way back mm -hmm. because in one sense, the statement's true. And the reason it's being said now is because for a long time in America's history, they didn't seem to matter. And in some of these situations, it didn't seem like they mattered yet. All lives matter. And it's true. And I'm going to say that, you know, so like I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm saying black lives do matter. I want to say that all lives matter. I do want to say that blue lives matter because cops don't need to be killed because right. if a cop gets killed on, on duty today, he doesn't get to go home. And I'm friends with police officers. I've, I've got a picture on social media dapping up some police officers and saying, you know, all lives matter. But what I'm not saying is throw that out there when a black person gets killed. I'm mm -hmm. not saying to say blue lives matter when a black person gets shot by a cop and has no weapon. And I think that's where nuance matters because you can say something today and be labeled for it two weeks later and you don't even agree with the argument being made against you but you don't even have a chance to defend yourself because you said it it was screenshotted or whatever right, so right i'm like yo i'm gonna go ahead and just get the get this stuff out of out of here because i was wrestling with it i'm talking to my wife about it she's getting sick of hearing about it 
I'm like, let me just put out these songs and really try to hit everything so that everyone's going to be ticked off at me because I'm saying something about all of it and let's just get it over with. Right. And what ended up happening is more people resonated with like, thank you for saying that I've been trying to say this, but I couldn't because mm-hmm. nobody's listening. And then when you get emotional, you don't make valid arguments. So right. I'm able to get out of my emotions and just write some lyrics and mm-hmm. review them, wrap them, make sure I'm not saying something dumb, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying I'm perfect or that this is all right, but that's, that's at least where I'm at on the matters. Yeah. Well, one of the things too, I think, um, and, and you bring it up in the, in your, your song is that when we think about a police officer who loses their life on duty, if he's got a family and he's got children, they're not, their dad's not coming home that night. Yep. We have to be willing as Christians to be um, compassionate about that. And mm-hmm. even if it's on the other side, and let's just say somebody is breaking the law and they lose their life, they're still a brother, a father to somebody or son. Mm-hmm. And so even if they were breaking the law, um, then you're still, where's the compassion to say, somebody's dad's still not coming home and those kids still have to deal with that. Right. And I, and I think that's where it just seemed like a lot of, I mean, I, I expect the world to act like the world, right? Yes. But, But Christians are supposed to be, um, acting Christ-like in their responses and having compassion. And, 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 and I think that 2020 really exposed a lot of, and, and again, I'm not speaking as if I'm, I haven't made, you know, problem, uh, mistakes myself. I've, I've made plenty of them. Right. Um, and, and I, like you said, uh, social media, the internet never forgets anything. So you say something wrong, you could delete it, but somebody already screenshot it, you know, yeah. so, so it can come back on you. But um, yeah, I just think that we need to be very compassionate in how we look at these things. Um, because, uh, again, it, for me, it always comes back to just trying to be balanced in it, you know, and, yeah. and weeping with those that weep coming alongside and speaking the gospel truth into their lives to show them that, Hey, look, there's hope in Christ. You know, we have answers, especially I'm, I love my brothers and sisters who are not reformed. That doesn't make you a believer or not a believer, but with within Reformed theology, we we really emphasize the sovereignty of God. So when evil yeah. things happen, we can say it wasn't meaningless. God has a purpose. God has yeah. a plan. Right. And we can truly trust in the Lord in that. Yeah. And I think and, th- and that's what I think is, is so important that you hit on is we got to get back to the gospel at some point. And on both sides of the argument. Sometimes you don't get to the gospel, even your gospel-y dudes, like dudes that you know always bring the text, always come with biblical application, somehow became sociology professors for a season. And mm-hmm. it's like, what are we doing here? Let's get back to the scriptures. And that's that's one of my, again, one of my reasons for writing Still Christ-Centric is we have a definition of justice that it has to be biblical. If we're Christians, our definition of justice has to be biblical. And if someone gets killed and they they didn't commit a crime worthy of being killed and they didn't endanger an officer's life, that's not justice. It's also not justice to let somebody off, a criminal, uh, off for killing a cop or whatever, whenever they didn't deserve to be off. You know, so I think it's so nuanced that we have to just say, what does the scripture teach about justice? And then what does the scripture teach about our 
participation in the justice system. And I get it. Like there's stuff we can't control. There's stuff I can't change. I, but, but at the same time, my definition of justice can't be concert, whatever conservatives believe that's my definition or whatever liberals believe. No, what does the Bible teach? Right. And that's going to get you in trouble sometimes because like mm -hmm. I said, it's still Christ centric. I'm not arguing for reparations, but we do see that when you got robbed in the Bible, restitution was made. If your animal was killed and somebody borrowed it, restitution was made. So I think we do need to, to have these conversations and say reparations may not be it, but we do have to admit there was no repayment made for a grievous crime. And maybe God, maybe we do chalk that up to God's justice. It was that one day God will be just in all of this. And Christ took our wrath or took the wrath of people who were believers. But like, that's not always what, like, it doesn't feel good to hear that immediately every time you want to talk about race, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. yes, we know that's true, but can we at least just like weep with each other? Like you said, can I grieve that I don't know my ancestors because they were just a number and a name ta or tag that came off a boat, you know, cause like that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think as a black dude in white Christian churches for a long time, I didn't get to talk about. And this finally allowed me to at least share it. And I found a lot of compassion, which has been cool in my church with some of my close friends. And that hasn't happened for most of my walk with God, mainly because it just wasn't a thing that Christians talked about. So if there's any good that came out of it, at least we are talking about these things. Some of us are arguing, but some of us are still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely important to have those conversations, have those uh, those to have compassion with one another. Um, vitally, vitally important um, to do that. Now, in your the last page album or you know song you talk about people turning to hebrew israelites or turning to just kind of leaving uh the christian faith for something else and um <clears throat> this is imp like i've been dealing with Cle uh well i was going to say the cleveland hebrew israelites but i've been dealing with hebrew israelites for a long time and um in that i've, I've had to check myself because in the, there was times in the beginning where i wanted to win the conversation with them and so it was mm -hmm. my pride wanting to just keep going and going and the Lord kind of convicted me of that to where I really have a heart for these men. But what do you think is some of the reasons that we're seeing some of these guys turning from, um, and many of them are raised in churches. Like they yeah. know, they know, uh, they don't, I'm not going to say they know doctrine well, but they know what church, church life is like in some of these churches. And, um, but they're turning to Hebrew Israel lights or turning to, another uh, false religion or just completely saying they want nothing to do with God because where's, where's God been for them in their life? You know? So what, yeah. what do you think some of that is? And I, okay. I'll let you answer it. And then I'll maybe give you my thoughts. Maybe it's the same. So, so this, so I, my father is claiming to be a, an Israelite. And then a guy that was in my small group has left the faith, has denied Jesus is now a Torah only Israelite type of dude. Uh, and for both of them, it was a mixture of they needed an identity because they're black in America and we don't have a heritage besides slavery, which, again, as Christians, our identity is in Christ. But as as black people, they didn't understand that and mm -hmm. they needed an identity and black Hebrew Israelism gave them an identity. Number two. It gives an explanation to them for why all the stuff happens to black people that has happened to us in our history. Because if we're Israel, 
and Deuteronomy 28 promised curses to us, and then we get the curses, that's evidence that we're somebody special. We're somebody exclusive. And if we can just figure out who we are, get back to the law, we now have an identity and we have an explanation for all of this. And then lastly, and this is the this is the worst part, is they just are they just don't know the Bible well. So because I haven't been trained, my dad was reformed. My dad gave me Puritan mm-hmm. books. My dad taught me Calvinism, but that wasn't enough because he didn't teach me the value of the local church. He didn't teach me the value of fellowshipping with other believers, which is how you keep from going astray. And so whenever I'm encountering these doctrines, I'm remembering, hey, I got white Christian brothers who love the Lord, who love me. I've got sound theologians all over my shelves that talk gospel truth. I've read Spurgeon on abolition. You know, I've read all these things. White evangelical or, you know, white Christians don't equal racist, unsafe people like these guys want me to, to believe. And they didn't have that. So what did they have? They had IUIC videos. They had mm-hmm. Twitter. And you get sucked into the trap of only listening to one side and going back and rereading, you know, both of these guys. I'm rereading the Bible for myself for the first time ever. No, you never reread the Bible as if there's no church history because church history has helped you fight heresy for 2000 plus years. And I, again, so you lose your identity, you lose, or you, you gain a new identity you gain this explanation for what's going on and you lose church history, you're going to be messed up. And I think that's what it is, is it's all of that kind of coming, coming together at, and the perfect storm is white people are doing stuff to black people and the Christians aren't standing up for us, you know? So mm-hmm. like, that's what I think was the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of black evangelicals, black dudes in you know, white spaces leaving. Yeah. One of the things I, I, I completely agree. I think identity is trying that people are trying to find identity, um, whether it's in black Hebrew Israelites or whether it's white people, like people are just trying to find an identity in something. And ultimately yeah. we know as, as, as Christians, as you said, our identity is found in Christ. Um, but one of the things years and years ago, I was in a church where um, I was going down evangelizing in Cleveland. This is when I started to see the Hebrew Israelite group start to grow. And I asked for prayer one night. I said, I'm starting to see a lot more young black men down in downtown Cleveland where I'm going to evangelize angry and upset and angry with the church because they were at such and such church where the pastor was putting money in their pockets or living a certain lifestyle while everybody else wasn't. And so they weren't coming out of like doctrinally sound churches, which is surprising, as you were saying, your your father with coming out of a reformed kind of understanding of things. But even that we got to be careful like just because yeah. somebody's reformed doesn't mean they're they're solid, right? It doesn't yep, mean they exactly. they're, they're even a Christian, right? Um, but um, I started to see that grow and grow, and I've watched them in Cleveland. I've watched them in other areas, continuously get larger and larger. Um, yeah. But that was one of the things I was seeing: young, angry black men mad at Christians. Um, and I think a lot of stuff was going on socially that you were seeing. And now because of the social media and the aspects, everybody's got a phone, more and more things are being able to be seen out there. And so people are mad. People are getting yeah. upset about these things. And who has the answers? They go to their Christian pastors. They're not giving them answers. They I'll just read the Bible. You'll understand. Something. Yeah. But not really giving them answers. And then you walk by some of these guys on the streets and, and I've seen them tear Christians up. I mean, not, they're not actually right in what they're saying. But the way they make it sound 
it's like these people know the Bible. They're just quoting scripture, you know, they're breaking it down. And, and so then people get pulled into what they call is the truth. And so I pray for men like that. Uh, anybody that's caught up in any type of false teaching is I'd love to see them come out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's tough too, man, because if you look at the black Hebrew Israelites and you think about what black people looked like in the fifties and sixties, suits and ties, dressed nice, respectable men, these black Hebrew Israelites, they wear those strange outfits, but they're older black men with gray beards, with integrity, teaching the Bible s somewhat. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's draws people in because mm -hmm. these guys aren't young 30 year olds saying dumb stuff. They're 50 and 60 year old black men saying stuff that sounds legit and they're quoting scripture and you're young and you haven't been trained up. What do you do? And so, I mean, it's, it's a very tough thing as a, as a young black man to see, see the sway. And I see it even in CHH because uh, a Christian hip hop, because you'll hear Yah or you'll hear Yahushua and you'll hear these rappers saying, um, we're not adopted sons anymore. We're, the kingdom and Jesus mm -hmm. is black. I mean, you've got these things that culturally they don't sound too far from, from biblical, but then once you start to dive deeper into those things, anti-Christmas, anti-Easter, anti-Trinity, mm -hmm. because Trinity is not in the Bible. That's when you start right. getting sucked into all of the, the rest of it, because it's a clever, catchy, ear tickling argument. And it's crazy. Yeah. yeah and that's why I think it, it's, it's very important that churches, one, being connected to a local church, I think, is, is vitally important to the Christian life. But the, to the questions that people are going to have. Um, and, and through my phase years ago when I was trying to see, like, why were some Puritans really against Christmas? Why didn't they celebrate that? You know, and then, and then you're trying to be like, well, I want to be biblical about this. You know, so it's not dumb questions to ask, but mm -hmm. who has the right answers? And going on YouTube or Google and going to Wikipedia isn't always, you know, the correct, the correct answers. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. So we got a few minutes left in the program, brother. I, I really want to thank you for coming on to the show uh, and talking about the album. Maybe give any last thoughts, any last uh, words on the conversation we had here tonight. Anything else you'd want to share about the album, where people can find it? Uh, and then uh, how they can pray for you. Yeah. So, so big, big last words for me would be for note to self is note to self is a project for us to go back to over and over to remind us a of, of where we've been, because that's what a journal does, but to also push us forward. So a lot of the songs on the album are kicking the butt for me because I need to be reminded, shut your mouth. You don't always have to have an answer. Um, be balanced, stand with the word, love your wife, fight the enemy, you know, all these different messages, stay awake, stay alert. So if you feel that the album's a little edgy or a little pushy, that's because it's supposed to be. I think we need to be challenged and we need to be challenged by our younger selves, but also we want our older selves to look back on our, you know, right now and say, I grew in that season and I've grown from that. And so um, I want the album to spur on growth not just to be something you enjoy, not to be something that you just feel convicted by and walk away. But like, I want you to be moved to action. And that's why I wrote the way I wrote, because I wrote for myself to be moved to action. Uh, so let the let the, the album take you to scripture, specifically the book of James, 
James heavily influenced that album and the latter uh, epistles in the New Testament. Uh, you can find the album, YouTube, music, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. You can buy it on Bandcamp. Whatever, whatever way you can listen to music, you can find it. And uh, I'll be thankful for any support. And then as far as prayers, um, I am pursuing church planting, um, training right now, hoping the church plant in the same community uh, that I live in where I was rejected due to Calvinism. Uh, I feel like the Lord has still allowed me to, to have a desire for these people in this community. Uh, and he may open a door for us to do some multi-ethnic work, which I think is important. So I could use some prayer for that. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, again, I want to thank you for coming on the program. Really appreciate it. Uh, it was a joy having you on. Um, I enjoyed the album. Like I said, We Rise is one of my my favorite songs on the, on the album. I do like Shut Your Mouth, Stay Awake, Don't Fear, uh, Stay uh, Mino. Um, just there's so many good songs on the Y, not an I. Um, and so you be versus so we have another christian rapper coming on the program yeah. uh, and so you're going to want to tune in again next week i don't think i don't know if mike's going to be back with us or not i know he's away on vacation so he may be or he may not be but uh that'll that'll be the program next week so until then uh that's been g220 radio god bless and good night All right. Uh, I'm glad you got Reed coming on. Yeah, yeah, I don't know a lot about him. I've 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 um just recently 